Welcome to the Inside Digital Transformation Podcast. Inside Digital Transformation explores how organizations of every size and shape are using technology today to survive and thrive in the face of relentless change. If you are a business or technology leader charged with making the most of digital transformation in your organization, then this podcast is for you. And now here's your host, Alan Bernard, a technology journalist, editor, and copywriter who has been covering the intersection of business and technology for over two decades. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today I'm speaking with Zohair Mekri. Zohair is the director of Digital Twins for Flex, a $26 billion contract manufacturing firm with operations in 30 countries. We're going to explore how Flex is using Digital Twins to do everything from modeling production environments to increasing top-line growth by removing friction from the very start of their customer engagements. Zohair, thank you for being here. Thanks a lot for having me, Alan. Appreciate it. Okay, so um, the way I like to start the podcast, I asked everybody this question, uh, and that is, uh, given that digital transformation is so variable, right, Uh, and depending on the industry you're in or where you're at in your digital journey, it's going to mean different things to different people, right? So I was kind of curious, how do you define uh, digital transformation? Absolutely. So uh, for digital transformation, one of the things that we use for a standard definition, because like, as you said, Alan, right, it means different things to different people. Uh, We think about digital transformation as being able to go from analog to digital in every aspect of our workflow and organization, right? So when you think of how things used to be, they were typically analog, they were typically done manually, they were typically done with non-digital methods. What we're doing is, is that we're bringing those into the digital world. That goes anywhere from, from back office to shop floor, to the executive ways of, of, of strategy, executive direction. So everything starts to become a lot more connected. It starts to become a lot more interdependent. And it becomes um, a lot more um, connected for our own insight, right? For our own uh, business benefit and for the benefit of our customers, which is something that we that we think about a lot when it comes to digital transformation. Okay. So connecting the shop floor to the ERP, to the supply chain, to the back office, to the, right, that type of... Yes. Typically in our team, we'll say something like shop floor to top floor, right? Which is that you're connecting everything. Um, And that's, that's a very, uh, it's very indicative because, um, you know, typically you'll have people say, okay, well, what about uh, supply chain? What about material? What about uh, customer service, right? All of that is encompassed in it. So when you're thinking about a manufacturing company, when we're talking about digital transformation of a manufacturing company, when you really do say shop floor, top floor, you're encompassing all the different functions that go into it, right? Okay, so given that this is a case study about digital twins, uh, for those who aren't familiar with the company, can you give us an overview of Flex? Absolutely. So uh, Flex is a electronics manufacturing services company. We are a contract manufacturer. Uh, we are an international company. We're over $26 billion of revenue. We're over 30 countries. Uh, we have over 160,000 uh, employees across the world. Uh, we are involved in multiple different industries, multiple different segments, uh, from reliability to agility. And uh, we're, we're known for our manufacturing excellence. We're, we're an international company that's been around for over 50 years. So we know, uh, you know how to manufacture and how to manufacture well. So 
our bread and butter is being able to deliver high quality products to our customers. Okay. So if I have a, uh, if I want something made, I can come to you and you will figure out how to get it done. Yes. We, we don't have our own products. So we build for our customers, right? So they bring their designs. We develop the manufacturing process either by ourselves or with partnership with the customer. Uh, and then we'll set up the manufacturing line, the manufacturing process. We'll set up the supply chain. We'll set up the reverse and forward logistics um, scenarios. Uh, and then we'll go ahead and and, uh, and and just start building. Okay. So that's actually a nice segue into the conversation today, which is digital twins, right? Absolutely. So that's integral to that that part of what you do, right? Setting up manufacturing lines, uh, getting a product from page to out the door on the other end, right? Absolutely. You know, um, our capabilities uh, are very diverse when it comes to uh, being able to uh, take a product, set up the line, set up the manufacturing process, set up all the different auxiliary functions that are necessary, and then being able to deliver the product to the customer. So um, our logistics is an important part of it. Our supply chain is an important part of it. Our manufacturing excellence is an important part of it. So there's a lot of different capabilities that go into our services um, that our customers can take advantage of. So what, where does the digital twin fit in that uh, set of activities? Great question. Digital twin uh, is across the entire uh, process. So when we first started digital twin, a little bit about digital twin journey uh, is that we initially started with uh, manufacturing. We started with the shop floor. We started looking at only the, the, the factory itself, right? As we started to model, as we started to look at the processes that are in a manufacturing environment, the first thing that we recognized was that Digital Twin is applicable and advantageous for any discrete process, which means any process that has a start and an end. And in manufacturing, manufacturing is inherently a discrete process. And all of the different steps that go into making a product whether they are from a contract to an end customer receiving a, the, the finished product, all of those are discrete steps. And so we started to slowly expand our scope and expand our coverage, if you will, from being in just the factory to expanding upstream and downstream. So we started working slowly with our supply chain team in the beginning, right? Then we ex expanded it to the sales team. Then we expanded it to the pre-sales team. And then we started expanding it to the pick, pack, and shipping team. And then we started expanding it to the logistics team. So we started with, with the factory, and then we saw that any discrete uh, step uh, can benefit from a digital twin. So we started to expand it. And so now our digital twins uh, expand all the way from early customer engagement to the customer receiving the product. Uh, interesting. So you're using, so you figured out that uh, you can apply digital twins to processes, basically, uh, that aren't uh, necessarily something that you would model, right? It, it doesn't have to be a, uh, a, you know, an assembly line. It doesn't have to be a machine. It doesn't have to be a physical product, right? So a quick programming note, we had to change mics. So this part coming up, um, Zohair's voice is going to sound different, uh, but that's not anything on your end. That's an issue that we had to deal with on ours. But anyway, enjoy the rest of the podcast. Yes. So I, I kind of want to elaborate on that a little bit. So when we do a digital twin, we simulate 
raw materials coming in to finished goods going out. We will not model the supply chain in terms of supply chain management. So we won't look at things okay. like, um, we won't model uh, you know, lead times, we won't model costs, we won't, won't model uh, you know, things like supplier location or supplier uh, agreements and things like that. Okay. What we'll right. do is we'll look at a pallet of raw material coming in and a pallet of finished good going out. Now that ties into supply chain, obviously, because when you get the material, how much material you're getting, when you're going to be getting it, where it's going to be delivered, at what part of the factory will it be in? Is it coming directly to the floor? Is it going to a warehouse first? Is it going to be kitted? Is it going to be prepared and then brought to the line? And so those types of things we will model. And those are influenced and, and they are, are, are managed by supply chain, but we won't go into the supply chain side of, of simulating or doing digital twins for them. We'll look at mostly from raw material right. to finish good out. Got it. So you have the material, then you make the product and that's what you're simulating. Okay. And it's, it's a simulation today too. That, that I think that was a distinction I learned recently. It's a simulation. It's not... It's not a cartoon, right? And this would be the visual part because you don't need a, you don't need to see a digital twin port to work. It's also my understanding, right? I mean, that, that's the fun stuff that everybody sees on the graphics and at the conferences, but a digital twin works perfectly fine as data as well, correct? It does. However, we have seen a lot of benefits from the visualization. We have seen the ability for us to see the space because when we're modeling, when we're creating a digital twin, when we're creating a simulation of a of a process, of a manufacturing process, or of a factory, or of an environment. That's typically the word that we use. We're being able to see everything to scale. So we can see that we have a building, that we have a site, we have specific manufacturing lines for a specific customer or a specific manufacturing process. And we're able to see what that looks like in the, in the grand scheme of things of that building. The visualization helps us plan space, it helps us optimize space is typically the way that we look at it. It helps us also uh, have the conversations with different parties involved. That can be management, that can be our customer, that can be our supplier, uh, it can be our contractors, it can be our facilities teams, it can be our planning teams, it can be our supply chain teams, it can be our sales teams, you know, so they can start to see things of how much allocation of space is my customer getting versus another customer that's of a similar or different industry. Um, and so we start to be able to see a lot of, we get a lot of business insight. We, we get to make a lot of business decisions because of the fact that we can visualize. And mm -hmm. typically when you think of a digital twin, people do think of a cartoon, like you're saying, an animation, you know, you have all these fancy, you know, graphics and, and, you know, you have all these kind of block diagrams of, of, of machines. And, and that's great. We also work on, on higher fidelity uh, visualizations for us being able to show someone how an environment looks like uh, is extremely important because the benefits that we can get from having that conversation can lead to, uh, to, to, to business uh, results can, can lead, mm -hmm. lead to business uh, decisions being better or, or, or better informed. Yeah, the NVIDIA stuff. I was watching some of that. The Omniverse, yeah. I think they're calling it. Yes. That's mm -hmm. very impressive. It was actually hard to tell uh, if it was yes. a real environment that was just hyper clean, right, with good yes. lighting, or if it was digitized. And, and, and that, was, that was pretty impressive. 
So I'll, I'll tell you something. Uh, it's it's interesting that you bring that up, Alan. One of the one of the the things that we've learned over the course of our journey is how important. Uh, different types of technologies are to the success of digital twin. We never thought as a manufacturing company that we would be looking at things like game development, right? Because for us, when we're starting to look down the path of visualization, when we're starting to look down the path of how do you make things look the way they truly are in the real world, how the quality of the graphics, the quality of the visualization, the quality of the software is directly correlated to the results that you get. And so here we are, this, this large international manufacturing company uh, speaking to game developers, speaking to companies that focus on graphics, uh, speaking to companies that look at how do you make uh, uh, you know, a reflection of the light off of a wall look realistic. Uh, you know, things that we didn't really ever think that we would be looking into or having to consider for the the quality of a project right so what's the benefit then of having such high caliber visualizations the higher quality graphics just leads to a better conversation to have with your customer the amount of effort that we put into giving them a more realistic simulation or a digital twin shows them how much more invested we are in giving them a higher quality product because every single thing that we're going to do from the minute that we meet them to the the, the minute that they receive their product we want to ensure that they know that they have the highest quality of, of everything that they're getting, right? Not okay. just the product, but the services that they're getting, the technology that's being used, uh, the way that we're going to be supporting them, the teams, the people, everything it needs to be high quality, right? We call that, our, our, our CEO refers to that as the premium customer experience, right? Which is okay. everything is high quality. Well, and I guess it would also short circuit one of the biggest impediments to doing business, which is communication problems, right? That's Miscommunication exactly right. specifically, right? Uh, so you don't have to imagine something if you can see it. I can tell you the, there has been a number of times where we have had a visualization that has been created by our team for in a digital twin uh, environment, and that has been presented to a customer. And that digital twin has started conversations in which the customer and flex have understood that there are things that they didn't talk about. And the mm -hmm. amount of times that we've seen the aha moments or the, oh my gosh, moments from a customer where they'll say, I, I forgot to tell you this, or I didn't realize that it could be done this way. As a matter of fact, this looks mm -hmm. better than how I, I had imagined it would look, or you know what? I think you should try this. I think you should also consider this. I think we should also uh, discuss how we can give you another part of our product or another part of, part of our product portfolio because of the fact that you're already looking at such and such, right? And so it starts to open doors. It starts to create this conversation that you wouldn't always have before. Traditionally speaking, a lot of uh, the ways that these types of things happen is, is you know, like like you said, right? Slides, PowerPoints, uh, you know, uh, stick figures, Excel files or spreadsheets, I should say. Um, you know, and 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 that can be that's a that's a great way to move forward. But then that the benefits of digital twins start to show themselves right. the more. You well, that's the way it's traditionally been done forever, right? right? Um, which kind of I, I did want to find out how long have you been employing digital twins? Several years in the, in the way that you are today, not just because they go back 
a long time, depending on how, how you define them, right? But in the way that you're using them today, how long have you been doing that? Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, simulation, digital twins, is, simulation is not something new, but we've been deploying right. digital twins in the capacity that we're talking about for the last several years. And okay. our journey has has been pretty fast, actually. Um, you know, we, we've, we've covered a lot in a short amount of time. Is that because of the benefits that you guys are seeing by doing it? Benefits and because of the fact that we're so diverse, our product portfolio, or I should say our segments um, are so are so diverse that we've been able to basically apply the technology to so many different areas that we've learned very fast. Our learning curve was accelerated over the last several years quickly because of the fact that we could try digital twins on various different uh, product segments or market segments that are, are typically traditionally different from one another. Uh, but now with digital twin, we're being able to apply them across the board and, and, and learn very quickly and, and copy paste to leverage best practices. So it seems to me that digital twins is a technology that applies quite broadly um, to a lot of quite, you know, very different processes, right? And a lot of different products. Uh, in a way that maybe and maybe other technologies don't. True. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you on that. I think that okay. digital twin is is a very um, it's very flexible, right? Like you're saying, yeah, it's, that's, it's a that's very malleable technology, right? Um, it can be uh, it can be adapted. It can be it can be applied to different things, and and uh, I think one of the interesting things about it is how you can derive benefits, you know, regardless of how your uh, choosing to apply it um, because of the fact that it's, that it's so it's so flexible, right? Like how we're saying. Okay. So yeah, I, I do agree with you. Okay. Um, so you're you. We've talked about using it in the planning stages. Uh, what about production, uh, which is typically where people think of digital twins? I know I did for years, right? Um, so in production, is it a different use case, or is it used differently in a production environment, or is it similar? Absolutely, it's it's used differently and used used differently and, and in a similar way, right? Uh, differences are things like uh, you know we talked about we talked about space, but we also talk about things like bottlenecks, right? Uh, we can do things like simulating uh, how much throughput you're going to have, how much UPH you're going to have, you know, units per hour over a certain period of time. We can start to optimize the line based off of demand changes, right? We can start to say, okay, we're going to have an increase, we're going to have a decrease, uh, we're going to have to move things around. Uh, we can start planning people. We can start saying how many people we have, how many stations we have, how many machines we have. Uh, we can start doing a lot of advanced um, operations optimizations things. We can start looking at yield and scrap and uh, and 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 uh, the number of of, of stations. Yeah, yeah. No, no. And this is yeah. of of operational production lines, right? Operational production lines, right? Okay. So a lot, um, a lot of what if scenarios. So what if we use a different input? How's that going to Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. The amount of combinations and permutations that we can calculate using a digital twin today is completely yeah. impossible to do manually. Yeah. I think in the, uh, in, in the email I got uh, talking about one project you ran through 9 trillion. That's right. It's not, with a T, correct. That is absolutely T. correct. Nine All trillion, right. yes. And 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 that just shows you the power of the of the technology, right? I mean, think about doing that on a spreadsheet. <laughs> think about having right. someone try to sit there and do that. It would take so lifetimes, right? 
Yeah, right. Yeah, they say 300 years. I'm thinking three to 4,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. I mean, just the number of seconds involved. But, you know, it, what were you simulating? What is, it, what is it that you were actually trying to achieve or what were you trying to do with those simulations? In that specific case, we were actually simulating uh, the optimization of a process flow. So we were saying, what are the different types of process flows to achieve a certain output? And because of the fact that you have different process steps in a process flow, the, the combinations of that start to multiply really quickly. Right. And the digital twin is able to take all of those different combinations, permutate them, and run through every what-if scenario. And that what-if scenario is then ranked based off of uh, the goal that you're trying to achieve or the output or whatever the parameter is, whatever the success mm -hmm. parameter is. And it ranks all of them. So if you wanted to go through all nine trillion what if scenarios that it generated, you you could, but you just you don't need to because it takes right. those nine trillion and then it starts to rank them based off of which one is the best uh, to achieve the output. You know, maybe it might give you the top ten, top twenty, top five. You you can even choose, right? You can start to say, I want to see the top twenty best ways I can do this, um, mm -hmm. and so. That's that's a very powerful operations tool when you get to the shop floor. Right. How many steps, just this probably won't make it into the podcast, but I'm, I'm aware of the traveling salesman's problem, which is what you're yes. probably solving for. And um, how many steps were involved that got you to 9 trillion permutations? Like seven or something? It doesn't take many, right? It, it doesn't take many. In this case, uh, it was it was dozens um, okay. of, of steps. Right. Uh, but... I, I, I do want to actually double click on something there that you mentioned that's interesting. So there is a traveling salesperson problem for sure. Okay. The cool thing about digital twin is that it combines various different algorithms. So it's not just using only traveling salesperson, like how you're saying, right? Mm -hmm. The cool thing that we've been able to see is that it can use the traveling salesperson. It can use agent-based modeling. Uh, it can use multivariable evolutionary algorithms and it can also use ours. So we will develop our own algorithms sometimes and we'll start to throw them into the mix. And digital twins that we're developing have so many different um, uh, algorithms at play that we can start to pick and choose. Okay, for this type of a process, let's try that. For this type of a, of a, of a manufacturing environment, let's try that. For this traditional product we've seen, uh, this type of approach worked better. So, so let's try that. Let's mix it up sometimes. And what really excites me about Digital Twin is how flexible it is, like how you and I were talking about earlier, which is that you can really play with all these different types of things and see what works best for you for any given output or any given parameter that you're trying to solve for. Okay. Yeah, interesting. All right. So uh, I'm curious. I want to move on to uh, benefits. So from an operational point of view, for from Flex's point of view, um, what are the benefits that you're seeing from from deploying digital twins today? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, one of the things is is uh, is faster time to market. We kind of touched on that a little bit. We've seen that with shorter product life cycles, that's a very important metric that we have to track, which is customer product life cycles are, are are getting shorter. They're getting faster. They're getting more agile, and so we need to be able to. To, to support that in kind and digital twins very much help us get us there because, you know, they take that 9 trillion example, right? We can take all these different ways of, of figuring things out quickly uh, and, and being able to deploy that onto the, onto the shop floor. 
we talked a lot about business, uh, better business collaboration, better customer collaboration, better, you know, uh, different involved parties collaboration. One thing I will say is, uh, is the talking about cost savings, right? It's an interesting phenomenon because we're saving cost uh, without actually having to try it out. It's, it's sort of a minority report kind of a situation, right? We, okay. we predict that something's going to happen. And so before that happens, we stop it from happening or we, we, we create the environment in which it can happen. So we either avoid cost or we save cost before that cost is incurred. And it's an interesting phenomenon, right? Because if something had happened, then it would have made a financial impact in this way. And so we model that in a digital twin and we can go in there and say, well, we're not going to have it do that or we will have it do that. And so we will go and then sort of change the course of how it would have happened had it been played out the way that it could have been played out. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting, interesting area. And, and typically we call that cost avoidance or cost savings uh, because you're, you're essentially saving something that you would have incurred had you not been using a digital twin. And without the digital twin, the old way of finding that out would have been trial and error and actually setting up a production line, making the run, starting production, and then having the, the, the cost of having to change all that, right? Uh, having the cost of lost product, lost time, lost customer revenue, uh, the, the customer relations problems. That, am I on the... You're absolutely <laughs> You're nodding right. a lot, so I'm you're assuming I'm on the right track right. here. Yep, yep, okay, you're absolutely right. And that's a very big advantage, right? That we didn't know that we always had. And, and what you mentioned is a very complex, uh, um, complex landscape, right? So in digital twins, we can start to model those types of things. The complexity, you know, I always say something and, and people sort of uh, uh, are interested by, by kind of how we say it, but when it comes to digital twins, complexity is, is sometimes better, right? Because you're being able to factor in things that you typically would have to have left out, right? You're looking at something as, as small as how fast people walk can affect how you, how you uh, uh, model a line. It can affect how you plan a space because of how far a person has to go or how far a, a, a raw material has to travel to, to, to achieve a certain goal. Yeah, we, I used to be a landscaper. Sounds like an odd segue, but uh, learn something very important in landscaping is that is you bring the wheelbarrow to the work. Yes. Not the work to the wheelbarrow. Right. That's and exactly and it, right. yeah, it's, it saves so much energy to have everything you need in the right place at the time you need it, basically, is what the, what he taught us. Right. Because, you know, you're, you're moving heavy things, dirt, rocks. Right. You know, we were young men, but, you know, at the end of the eight hour shift, you know, you're pretty tired. So and, you may, and that's when mistakes happen. Right. right. Uh, you know, you get hurt because you're you're in a hurry, you're lifting wrong, you're carrying something 10 feet too far. And I assume there's a similar dynamic at work in what you're talking about, right? You're absolutely right. Point of use is crucial to time and, and effectiveness. We're talking about operational benefits to flex. Um, what are the business benefits of using digital twins? And I don't know if that's a different enough question. Maybe it is. Because I think of business benefits as, so top line growth, 
bottom line savings, right? Uh, you can sell better, attract more customers uh, because of using digital twins versus simply streamlining operations, right? That type of thing. So can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Right. It's, it's, it's what you said, you know, those are, those are some, some of our, our common, our common benefits, um, you know, from a strategic perspective, those are typically what we try to go after, right? We're trying to top line, bottom line, right? Uh, you know, we've done a lot on our digital twin. We were talking about digital transformation journey uh, over the last couple of years, right? And there is a, there is something to be said about that, which is, you remember a few years ago, people used to say the world is changing, the world is changing. Well, the world changed, right? The world has changed. Mm-hmm. And digital is a part of our life. And being able to introduce this technology, being able to implement the technology across our company has gone from giving us business benefits to competitive advantages because we're being able to see how it's not just a better business tool. Uh, we're starting to see how it's really differentiating us as a company that's that's at the forefront of combining technology with traditional manufacturing practices, and that's not easy. That doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen, um, you know, just just by trial and error, right? I mean, it it, it right. takes a lot of thought, it takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of really passionate, dedicated talented individuals uh, to to get there, right? Okay, so from a technology point of view, uh, you know, digital twins are still, like everything else, in an evolutionary phase, right? Um, what are some of the limitations that you run into? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I would say that uh, some of the limitations today are probably common limitations that you'll hear from other, <laughs> from other technologies sometimes. Uh, data is one, right? Even though uh, data is is uh, being improved, I would say data integrity, data completeness, data accuracy, availability of data, uh, those types of of, uh, of challenges are are pretty common for us. Um, another thing that I would say is, I think digital twins have come a long way in terms of connectivity. So in the old days, they were very disparate systems. They were kind of you know, separated. They were, uh, you know, just just uh, they just weren't connecting uh, very well. They've done a lot of work. They've progressed a lot, but I think that that's one of the limitations that we're starting to see is is how um, how they can connect into uh, into enterprise uh, environments, right? Um, and and how they can they can be friendly with with uh, with large manufacturing enterprise uh, uh, ecosystems. Um, I think the last thing that I would probably say is it's going to seem a little bit uh, contradictory, but um, I would say realism. You know, sometimes we find that a digital twin doesn't look exactly the same, right? And uh, and that can create that can create some some issues, right? You you might you might look at the model and you might look at the the, the physical environment. It doesn't always look real, right? And does that have a direct benefit? Not necessarily, and not all the time. And sometimes it has has no it has no benefit. But it introduces this concept of 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 not being real, right? Um, and so we we do spend time on on realism, right? We spend time mm-hmm. on making it so that it will be truly a twin, 
Right. Well, it seems like that's what NVIDIA's play is, right? Um, I think I was right in calling it, I was going to look it up, but calling it Omniverse, I think is what right. their product is. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, and they just did a launch with Siemens uh, that they're going to be working with them. Uh, speaking of which, do you, have you developed your own tech or are you buying off the shelf for your digital twin? We partner with with uh, various industry players. So uh, we have, it was a combination of partnering with industry leaders and our internal development. But, uh, you know, we, we do try to, you know, leave the uh, the experts to do what they're experts in, right? right. We partner with those who are, who are good at that. So, okay. So it's the stuff that's available today from, from the, in the marketplace. Uh, is it ready for prime time or is it still need quite a bit of customization on your end when you get it in? When we get it into, into flex, um, yeah. yeah, depending on the, on the industry leader partner, uh, and, and their, and their product offering, uh, it can range between some level of configuration to very high level of configuration. And so based on the, on the, uh, the product or platform that we're trying to integrate, you know, we'll typically adjust accordingly. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So how, how do you see digital twins changing, you know, three, five, seven years down the road? I would say that one of the things that we see as the future of digital twin um, is a, a deeper connection to the, uh, call it the real world. Um, you know, we're going to see digital twins, today digital twins are, uh, they're not connected necessarily, so they're connected in some ways, but but they're still off. You know, they're not um, they're not 100% connected, right? They're not completely bi-directional. We call it. Uh, we call it a cyber-physical bi-directional system. That's the terminology that we use. And today, that's that's somewhat true, but not completely true. So we see in the next several years, like you're saying. Um, that that's that's going to happen. We're going to see bi-directional information. We're going to start seeing physical environments talking to digital environments and vice versa. And when that starts to happen, you're going to see a lot of, I think you're gonna see a lot of new tech that will come from that, uh, being able to have software systems communicating to physical systems and seeing physical actions take place. Um, we see- so basically, so basically what that means is, you change it in the model and it changes in the real world and vice in, versa. in real time or near real time. Right. 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 And that's exactly. not the case today, or at least not always the case. It can, it's, it exists in small um, controlled environments. So these types of things can happen in, in very small scale controlled specified uh, usually non-production environments. Uh, we've seen that happen, uh, but not in a large scale, not at an enterprise scale. And that's something that I think the entire industry is looking at. You know, it's not just a flex thing. It's it's the whole world is really trying to go towards that cyber physical harmony. Right. Okay. Um, so talk about them bi-directional because so what I'm hearing that you say is basically it's it's kind of still one way where data comes off of the line. It's modeled. You make your changes in the simulation, and then you have to walk out onto the floor to implement those changes. Is that state of the art today, more or less? Today, pretty much, right? Today, we, we can do some writing. So when I say writing, we can we can read information off of our systems, obviously, but we can write some things back. 
okay. but typically that, the writing back is sometimes manual itself, right? So you okay. want to get to a point where it's not, right? And uh, and and that 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 cyber physical twin truly exists, and uh, and you have that bi-directional communication. That's one changes the other changes and back and forth. Back and, forth. and that's going to also require you know uh, actuators being you know IoT oh, yeah. devices and and becoming you know a handle becomes a, a an electromechanical. Yes. Right. Thanks. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Okay. It changes the, the whole industry has to has to go through that uh, that evolution, if you will, right? Of of like what you're saying. So okay. So what about lessons learned? I thought that it's always a good question. Yeah. You know, if I was to kind of give a, a lessons learned, uh, you know, presentation or something, I would probably say not to be afraid to challenge how things are done. Right. With with the introduction of digital twin we are seeing that that things traditionally need to change, right? You need to see um, manufacturing processes are changing, planning is changing, uh, your, the way that you implement, uh, you know, op- optimization practices is changing. Uh, so you, you really do have to kind of challenge the status quo. You really have to start asking uh, the, the difficult questions. You have to start asking the whys and the why nots and, and, and that's uncomfortable sometimes. And sometimes it can cause, um, you know, people kind of question you a little bit on, you know, what are you really trying to, to figure out here and, and what's going on? And, uh, and so you, you really kind of have to introduce this. And that leads to the second point, which is, is I think that, I think that culture is a lot more important to the success of digital transformation than people typically think of it as, um, you know, when you have a company that is very large, that is international, that is diverse, whose portfolio is uh, constantly changing, uh, you know, culture for us is, is, is key to our success. And we're lucky that Flex has a very innovative, digital, friendly, transformation, heavy uh, culture, right? But when I talk to people in in other industries or or other types of spaces, sometimes it's not always the same case. And so culture can can play a very big part in in how you uh, approach this this technology implementation or the introduction of it, right? And and every company has its own challenges and every company has its its roadblocks and and speed bumps. But, um, you know, really kind of understanding the culture of of the environment that you're working in, understanding what is the status quo and how you have to challenge that, uh, I would say is is some pretty big lessons that we've learned, uh, you know, over over the years of, of working in this area. So what kind of culture do you need in order to introduce, uh, I guess, I don't know if digital twins is considered a radical change to how you operate, but certainly substantial change. Right. Right. And depends on the company, but yeah, sometimes it can be considered pretty radical, right? Because you're, you're stopping the use of traditional tools, right? You're stopping the use of, of, of thinking in traditional ways, right? And so what we do is we kind of talk about how we're not going to remove traditional tools. We're going to build on top of them, right? We're going to take the, take the, the, the tried and true and, uh, and make it uh, brand new, 
right? That's kind of sometimes what we say, right? And and uh, it's it's it requires conversation. It requires understanding your landscape. You know, uh, it requires understanding your your customer. And as a digital transformation leader, as a digital twin leader, your customer isn't always your end customer. Your end your customer can be the sales team. Your customer can be the factory. Your customer can be the operators, the frontline workers. They can be the knowledge workers, the engineers. They can be the supervisors. And so those are your customers. And so really understanding what they need and what they're looking for and what they consider success is important. And how you start to match that with the digital transformation technologies that you introduce becomes a science and an art, right? Uh, because when they start to see the benefits, they can become they, they become your your biggest promoters and your biggest supporters. But you you have to be uh, aware of how those business benefits are shown, right? Because your culture has to be that malleable. So to, to answer your question, what kind of culture is successful? The, the culture that that accepts change, that's open to change, that is open to challenging the status quo that is uh, is willing and, and and able to change right and uh, and sometimes that may not exist and you kind of have to introduce it so um, you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, steps involved before you can just kind of show up with the digital plan and say here it is mm-hmm. yeah particularly in manufacturing right which is a, a fail safe environment where right if it ain't broke we're not going to break it absolutely even even when the benefits are clear it's my understanding um you know i worked um at a company you know abb for a year as a contractor oh, nice. yeah. and so i got a taste of that and it, it can be difficult to introduce you know software solutions to you know traditionally pen and paper problems basically right, right? absolutely so okay um how, what are your customers asking? I thought this was a good question. What are your customers asking for when it comes to digital twins? What are they asking for from us in terms of digital twins, like the technology wise? I'm um, not sure. It was, a, it was a question that was part of the, the email that got us talking. So it says here, what customers are asking for in the digital twin realm? So. Right. So um, I guess, so all types of customers are asking for it, which is great, right? They're asking for So, so it's a pull. You're, you're having a pull from your customers on this it's, technology. It's a pull because we pushed it correctly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we were ahead and we, we pushed it out and now customers are, are asking for it. You know, they're interested in it now. Right? So they want to learn about it too, is my guess. Right. Yes, they do. That's 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 a fair point. They do want to learn about it. They do want to know what it's like and how it works and why it's important and and uh, and how we do it and and what it will what it will deliver to them and how it will help them. And okay, um, so I, it's might be the last, you know, probably the last question, and it's kind of out there a little bit. But um, it says here that you're using digital twins to plan for the metaverse. So metaverse is starting to become the new cloud big data yeah right? new buzzword new buzzword so yeah uh, is that is that something that that's actually going on um because i think metaverse in your world's quite different than you know sim city two or three or four or something right oh yeah yeah it's definitely different and and you know when when you're uh 
when you're doing digital transformation, you, you really have to consider all the different things that are going on in your environment and all the all the different um, uh, you know key technologies in in the space. And so for for us, you know, we we are planning to use digital twins for for the metaverse, right? We've been looking at that for a while now. Uh, we do believe that it's a key component. We do believe that digital twin is a key component of the metaverse, right? Um, we're we're positioning it more as um, as an enabler, I would say, as a as a contributing technology to it. Um, you know, more than digital twin equaling metaverse, right? Uh, and that's a very very technical distinction that we have to that we have to make, right? It's not that when you have a digital twin, you automatically have a metaverse, right? Um, and so we have to plan for for that properly, and we have to uh, identify and create the necessary technologies uh, or partner, like I said, right, uh, with with the the industry leaders in, in the space. Um, and so it's it's a it's a big thing. It's not small. It, metaverse is a is a huge challenge. I'm not going to oversimplify it, um, but uh, it it is something that we look at, right? Because um, like I said, the world's changed. So what, what is the metaverse in your world? I'm still trying to figure it out. On, yeah. <laughs> uh, the general sense, right? Um, yeah. You know, the cyber physical integration, basically, right? Um, so what, but what does that mean in manufacturing? When it comes to an industrial sense, um, you know, the, for us, at least, we, we think about the metaverse um, as essentially a copy of, of the, the environment in which we live in all the way from our people to our processes, to our, 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 our equipment, to, uh, to our material, to everything, right? But then when you start thinking about metaverse and you start to think about uh, the, the human factor, right? We start to think about quote unquote, 10 twins of our, of our workforce, um, of our um, of our offices, of our processes, um, and so you start to add in all the different things that make our company right, and how that plays into the larger industrial metaverse is 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 how it works today, right? If you think about you know Flex as a company, you know we're very fortunate. We have amazing customers and amazing suppliers and partners, right? And so take that and put it into another realm uh, and, and you can start to do a lot of cool things with, with all these different players and all these different agents in that, uh, in that environment. Well, like you say, that takes a level of connectivity, a level of data, a level yep. of bi-directional communication, right. uh, a level of networking, for example, right? right. That, that, you know, the, the pieces are there, but, but as an integrated whole, that's just yep. not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, um, I think that's that's going to do it for me. Is there anything you would like to add at this point? No, I just wanted to say thanks a lot, Alan. That was that was a, a lot of a lot of fun for me. Thank you. Thank you very. Well, I appreciate your your time, Zahar. It's been a great conversation. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and subscribe. We post new episodes every week. If you'd like to join our mailing list, become a guest, or suggest topics for future episodes, you can find us on LinkedIn on our landing page at anchor.fm slash InsideDT or at InsideDT.net. Talk to you soon.